0: Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbaugh. I don't know if I'm being a weird tinfoil hat type person about it, but you are not going to catch me out here doing one of these uh, 23andMe DNA tests. You know, beyond the privacy issues around it, there's just things about myself and my heritage that I know... And, you know, I don't know, I'm not super interested in (laughs) fact-checking. Because to find something out about your past like that can shake you to your core. Just listen to today's interview. It's with Carmen Rita Wong. Her mother is Dominican and her dad is Chinese. Except her dad isn't Chinese, actually. Her memoir, Why Didn't You Tell Me?, is all about finding out the truth and how that shaped her identity. And she talks to NPR's Elsa Chang about keeping ties to her Chinese roots, even if she's not Chinese at all.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor Acorn TV. Acorn TV isn't just good, it's brilliant. With exceptional television from around the world. Their romances are more charming, their mysteries cozier, their noirs more gripping, and their comedies cleverer. More clever? Oh, you get it. Acorn TV is brilliant stories told brilliantly. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. So in a nutshell, Acorn TV. Brilliant.
0: Imagine living your whole life believing a certain story about yourself, where you came from, who your family is, only to see that story upended because you discover your mother has been lying to you your entire life. Well, This is exactly what happened to Carmen Rita Wong. In her new memoir, Why Didn't You Tell Me, she confronts the true origin of her origin story. And as the truth unfurls, she's forced to rethink her family, her race, and the choices her mother made. It's a story about how your entire identity can shift over one lifetime, rocking your very sense of belonging. Carmen Rita Wong joins us now. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being with us. So, you know, for much of your life, the story that you understood about who you were is that you had a Dominican mother and a Chinese father and their marriage was this like transaction for immigration status. And I want to ask you about something you wrote early on in the book, something your mom had told you. She said your father was chosen for that transaction largely because, quote, Chinese was the closest thing to a white
2: man. Uh,
0: That... Sentence like burned into my brain. Can you just tell me what you felt she meant by that?
2: Oh well, that ties to Dominican-Caribbean culture. I should I should say colonialism, mm-hmm. um, colorism, right? So when the immigrant waves came in from the Caribbean, specifically Dominican Republic from the 50s through the 70s, Dominicans come in all colors. <laughs> so one of the things though is that it's communicated throughout the Caribbean and South America because of colonialism, that white is best. And so that was part of a, quote unquote, the American dream was to get whiter. And Chinese,
0: why was Chinese the closest thing to a white person in your mom's mind?
2: Well, I think she thought about that mostly because if that's what her father said, Mm -hmm. Uh, my grandfather, Abuelo, who kind of arranged both his daughters to be married to Chinese men to start their migration into the country. I think in society, especially at that time, there were so many stereotypes which remain to this day. You know, Chinese, Asian, very hardworking, very smart, did right. very well in business. The so called model minority myth. Oh, boy, do I hate that phrase. Yes, model minority. And what a heavy heavy mantle that can be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you were growing up, believing that you had a Chinese father, how Chinese did you actually feel inside?
2: (laughs) That's a funny question. I, you know, I was a kid. I was, um, had a Chinese father for the first 31 years of my life. Right. Right. And even though they were separated, he was very much my father in all the ways that fathers or fathers, if they're engaged, still in their kids' lives. And
0: we should just explain for our listeners who might be a little confused is because you later on in life learned that the person you thought was your father was not actually your father.
2: Yes, uh, of course. That's, But that's only one big reveal of many, right. as you know. Right. <laughs> I don't think it's even the biggest in some ways. It's one of the most painful If only because it is so tied to race and culture.
0: Yeah. Well, the heart of this book, you know, it explores the specific relationship between you and your mom. Like She was the teller of your story, the keeper of the secrets that you would later discover. Can we just step back? How would you describe your relationship with your mother as you were growing up?
2: Oh, difficult. In many ways, she made me the parent. Mm. I was the oldest I took care of everybody. She had me do a lot of things and treated me like an adult. So of course that's going to cause problems because I was a child. You know, it's like, wow, where did my childhood go?
0: Right. Well, she was struggling with her own burdens. Like when she ends up leaving at the time your Chinese father, Poppy Wong, and marries a white man, you all move from New York City to New Hampshire. And you call your new white stepfather, Marty, your mother's quote unquote white knight, one who extracted a price from her. Looking back, how
2: would you describe what that price was? Oh, disconnection disconnection. The mantra in those days was, you know, America's a melting pot. And it was all about assimilation. But assimilation into what? Assimilation into white America. What that meant for her, though, was not only did we leave behind a city that we loved so much, but a city filled with people that looked like us. We could just exist and coexist to a place where we knew no one. We had no family. And we stuck out because we were the only non-white people there. She became very isolated. So it extracted a big price from her wanting to have this American dream.
0: Yeah, I was so struck that the only time she made Dominican food was when Marty
2: was not home. I got the sense that it wasn't allowed, to be honest. Like this was, we weren't allowed to speak Spanish, and these were his rules. We did not eat, and nor did my mother ever cook Dominican food for any of us or Chinese food. Unless he wasn't home. So just in that, you can see, like, what a shock it was to go to a place where basically everything that defines you is erased, which makes you feel very unmoored.
0: It then eventually becomes even more confusing as you discover the secrets your mother kept from you while she was alive. And I don't want to give away the exact details of what you ultimately discover, but... There is this larger question you ask, and that is, how do you let go of your racial identity after you have held on to it for so long?
2: Yes, I say in the book, how do you stop being Chinese? Mm -hmm. You know, it's you can't erase the first 31 years of your life that you had these two parents that happened to be of these races and ethnicities. That was your experience. Now, to f- discover biologically that I'm not is one thing, and I get that, and I've accepted that, of course. But I don't say now I'm Dominican Chinese. I say I'm Afro-Latina, but I say I was raised Chinese. Mm. Um, and that's all I can say. But I'll tell you, I'm still – it's its something very, very difficult because you don't ever want to appropriate. You always just want to respect what's happened and the origins and the truth. And so that's what I try to do is respect the truth of that.
0: You do still keep the name Wong. You still choose today to call yourself Carmen Rita Wong. What story about you do you think your name tells people about yourself today?
2: I'll tell you I'm proudly a Wong. Yeah, I was raised a Wong. I had a poppy, Poppy Wong, who passed away actually uh, last month. Oh, I'm so sorry. that stuff, it doesn't stop. Also, my brother was a Wong, my older brother. Alex was probably the only biggest fan (laughs) and -hmm. support I've ever had. So I'm a Wong with him and his daughters. As to what that means to everybody else, I'll tell you the short story. It depends if you want the short story or the long story. (laughs) Let's go for the short story. I usually give the short story to people say, oh, you're Chinese? And I'll say, stepfather. (laughs) (laughs) that's what I say.
0: Carmen Rita Wong's new memoir is called Why Didn't You Tell Me. Thank you so much, Carmen, for being with us. Thank you so much for having me.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This message comes from The New Yorker. What makes a short story work? Explore the minds of writers like Otessa Moshfegh and George Saunders on the New Yorker Fiction Podcast to find out. Listen to the New Yorker Fiction Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.